right. How many of you glad he loves you? Say amen. amen. All right. Grab your Bible. Remain standing for just a moment. Grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to the book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter number 13. Luke chapter number 13. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's good to have a heater. Say amen. Amen. It is good to be saved. I want to thank everyone. I did last week, but I want to do it again this week. I want to thank everybody for the, the cakes, the, the cards, and the, and the gifts and everything that you did. You were so kind and generous to the staff and uh, to me and my family. And, uh, but we need, to, we, we need to come to an understanding. <clears throat> uh, uh, from now on, if you bake a cake, we need to have the handoff face to face. Uh, never again, say it with me, never again deliver it to one of my children. I got word, I got word of a certain cake that I was so looking forward to. And uh, being busy and wide open, it took me, it took me a couple days till I had the opportunity to partake in my Christmas present. <clears throat> and I opened the refrigerator door and, and the living room was full of my children. And, uh, and I opened the door and I saw what used to be my cake. And there was a sliver about this big right here. Can y'all see that? And I, I was very un-Christmas-like. I said, where's my cake? What, what have you done with my cake? And this was, my, this was the response. God is my witness. This is exactly what was said by one of my former children. <clears throat> Dad, I don't know what your problem is. I only had like six slices. No longer in the wheel. Are y'all with me? So, hand to hand, purchase, hand to hand, pass it off to the priest. Don't even stop with the secretary. Just come right on in with your cakes. Amen. All right. I'm going to get one of you to laugh. Some of y'all still frowning. I don't know what's happened. Your mother-in-law's moved in with you or something. I don't know what the deal is. But we're going to smile for today's over. Amen. All right. Luke chapter number 13. Luke chapter number 13, verse number 1. Uh, I, I, I've preached out of this particular chapter several times in the new year, either at the end of the old year, going into the new year. Uh, it's just a cool, cool chapter to preach out of. And, and the time I've been here, 18 years, I've preached out of it two or three times. And I, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it in the way I have before. I want to go at it a little, little different way, and I'll explain that in just a minute. But let's look in verse number 1, Luke chapter 13 and verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. There were present at the season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, 
Think that ye see, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell ye nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Then he tells them a parable. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. This is the owner of the vineyard, the owner of the property. He planted a, a fig tree, and he came to seek fruit, and he found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Come on, everybody. I find none. none. Cut it down. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? In other words, why is it taking up space? It's just wasting space. It's not producing. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Verse 8 is where I want to kind of take where we're going to jump off at. The answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. What he's saying is, give me, Come on, everybody. Give me one more year. Give me one more year. I know you hadn't seen what you want to see. I know you hadn't got what you wanted to get. But just give me one more year. I want to preach this morning on the subject. One more year. One more year. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege of knowing you. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Lord, I have so enjoyed the, the music this morning. It has blessed my soul. Lord, it's been all about you and how good you are to us. Lord, help us to receive something today. Lord, I mean what I'm preaching today, and I mean what, what, what the, the points I'm going to share. I really want this in my life. I want this more in my life, and I pray that you'll just help us today. Help us to learn. Help us to grow I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> to kind of to bring us into the, into the message, uh, Jesus is, is dealing with a very religious crowd. How many of y'all have figured that out by now in your time of being saved and studying the Bible that the Jewish people that Jesus dealt with in that day were very, very religious and traditional? How many of y'all would say amen right there? They had, they, they had the rules and regulations down, and they think they were uh, privileged, and, and in, in a way they were. Uh, they were privileged because they were God's chosen people, and they had the privilege of the law and the scriptures and, and the prophets and everything that went with that. But they took that privilege a little bit too far. They thought because of that privilege that they were better than everybody else and that they were in good shape, that they were good with God because they were Jews and they were God's chosen. And it doesn't matter what they believed or how they behaved, just because of who they were, they was good. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And so they bring up to Jesus, they bring up to Jesus the Galileans, uh, and this was a group of zealots that the Romans had, had tracked down and killed. They were kind of rebellion, rebelling against Rome and and they went into the temple and killed them in the temple and took their own blood and sprinkled it and, and put it on the sacrifice, just desecrated it. And in the eyes of the Jewish people, they were, they were like sure enough sinners. I mean, you have your sinners and then you have your sure enough sinners. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
you know, we classify this. We do. We think, well, this is a good, this is a somewhat sinner, and this is a sure enough sinner. Well, that's in their minds. They thought, because this happened to them, that they were really, really bad and worse than anybody. And, and, and Jesus is picking up on that. And he's saying, oh, is that what you think? Do you, you, you think because, because this happened to them uh, that they were the worst sinners of all the Galileans? And then he turns it back on them. He says, well, I tell you what, I tell you what, unless you repent, you're going to be worse off. And then he brings up something that happened. A tower had fell and killed people. And in, in, in their minds, the Jewish people's minds, if something, some calamity, if some calamity happened to somebody, then it was because of sin. It was because that God was angry at them, God was mad at them, and so God was punishing them. How many of y'all remember when Job went through all of that he went through and his friends came and, 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 and that all that they ever did was accuse him. What have you done? What have you done? You have done. Surely all this has happened to you. God's angry at you. Are y'all with me? And so this is their mind. He said, you think they were bad? You think they were worse sinners because this has He said, I tell you what, nay, except ye repent. Except you repent. See, they thought they had it all together. They thought that they were good. They were Abraham's children. They were proud of their heritage. They were proud of their bloodline. They were proud of their background. They were proud of their religion. And so right after he tells them that, he tells them this story. He tells them this parable of a, of a, 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 a fruit tree owner who had planted a fruit tree in his vineyard and he comes three years. Now, now you got to understand, uh, in Leviticus, we learn that you don't eat fruit three years after it's planted. Then the fourth year, the fruit belongs to God. And then he says he's been coming three years. So this is like seven years he's been waiting to get fruit off of this tree. No fruit. No fruit. He says, cut it down. It don't need to waste space. It's just wasting space. Cut it down. Well, then somebody intercedes. This is a type of Christ. He intercedes. And, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, let's, let, give, me, give me one more year. Give me one more year. Let me dig about it. Let me, let me dig around it. And we're going to put some dung around it. If you, if you don't know what that is, that's manure. Say amen. amen. That's stuff. Y'all with me? Stuff. And, 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 and let's fertilize this thing and see if we can get something out of it. And give, me, give me one more. Give me one more year. Now, what do we take from that? This is, this, is what, this is what I take from this. And, and, and what I want to share with you is the fruit I want to see in my life this coming year. New, New Year's resolution, whatever you want to call it. But here's, what we, here's the truth we get from this point. That, that, that God has expectations for you. He planted it in his vineyard. God had a purpose God had a plan. He put, he specifically put this fig tree in this vineyard expecting, use that word, say that word with me, expecting, say it again, expecting fruit. What's the point? God did not save you just to secure you. God didn't save you just so you could go to heaven. Salvation is not for the sole purpose just so you can go to heaven. God saved you to sanctify you, to put you in a purposeful place. He expects fruit from your life. Amen. You are not saved just to stand and look pretty. Hello. God has expectations. God expects you to grow. 
God expects you to develop. God expects you to bear fruit. God has expectations on your life. It's not because you're a preacher. It's not because you're on a worship team. It's not because of any other reason, but but you are saved, a child born again, bought by the blood of the Lamb, and if He purchased you, He's got a plan for you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Not only, not only, not only, this is all the intro. This is all the intro. Amen. Not only does he have great expectations for you, he's going to help you out. He's going to he's going to help you accomplish these expectations. Now I know what you're thinking. Great. All right, let's go back. How does he help? He says, "Let me dig about it." And man, y'all getting quiet. Let me dig about it and. Dung it. Now, y'all know what dung is. Now, the application, how many of y'all been through some dung this year? Now, it's starting to register, isn't it? How does God help you bear fruit? He brings some dung in your life. Some of you think, why am I going through this? Why am I, God must be mad at me. No. God's got expectations for you. And sometimes the only way we can bear fruit is to go through some stuff, to experience some stuff in our life, to experience some hard things in our life, to experience some difficult things in our life. And through that, we grow. And through that, we develop. And through that, we get stronger. And through that, we get closer to God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. God's going to help you. That help we don't always appreciate all the time, but God is going to help us get where we need to be so that we can bear fruit. You're not just saved to sit. Too many people come into church, sit, soak, and sour. God expects things from you. God expects things from your life. He's got great expectations. He wants you to bear fruit. Man, there, there is no greater chapter... There's no greater chapter on this subject than John 15. John 15, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you shall bear much fruit. And then he goes to talking about this process of fruit bearing. And he says, if you bear fruit, guess what? He says, I'm going to cut on you. What? Yeah, he's going to cut on us and cut stuff out of our life. Cut things that hinder our fruit-bearing process. Cut things out of our life. How many of y'all know purging is is painful? But God will take stuff out of your life. God will will bring stuff into your life because he's all about fruit-bearing. And he wants to see fruit. I wonder how many people have been coming to church for years and God's still waiting for you to bear fruit. God's still waiting to see something from your life. Yeah, you're saved. Yes, you trusted in Christ. But that's about as far as it's gotten. That's not what God wants this year. God wants to see fruit. God's going to give you one more year. You say, preacher, what kind of fruit? I, I really thought about this. I sat down and I thought, what, what, what do I want to see? And now this, this is personal to me. This is personal to me. This may not mean nothing to you. I hope it does. I hope it does, 
But this is, this is what I want to see in my life. I know people, we, we, make, we make New Year's resolutions that we keep till the 3rd of January. You know, dieting and all that kind of stuff, exercising. Y'all do understand, there is a reason that these gyms make you pay one year in advance, right? And the contract, y'all with me? What are y'all mad about? I don't, are, we, are we together, amen? Because we, we usually don't keep up with it and stay with it. And, and we, you know, New Year's is a good time to make up all these things that you, you're really not going to keep. But, but I, I, I really hope I see this in my life. I, I, I want to see some things. I want to see some fruit in my life that, that's real specific. And I, and I begin to think, you know, what, what do I want to see different in my life this year? What, what do I want to experience? What do I want to have? You know, what, what, what do I want to see? And man, there, there was just three simple things. Three simple things that, that, that I, 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 I believe this is, this is what I want, really every child of God, but really in my life. Number one, uh, the fruit that, that I, I hope God produces or brings forth in my life it, it, with, with my, my uh, I say my assistance, but my effort. Uh, it's not just an all God thing. God, we do have to, it's like they say you pray, you pray for rain at the other end of a hoe handle. Say amen. We, we pray like everything depends on God, but we should work like everything depends on us. Amen. But what do we want to see? Number one, I want to see in my life, I want to see a greater burden in my life, a greater burden. And you say, what do you mean? I'm talking about, I'm talking about a burden for sinners. For people that are lost. John, or excuse me, Paul in, in Romans, I believe it's Romans chapter number nine. If you have your Bible, flip over to flip over to Romans chapter number nine. He he is he is sharing, he is sharing his thoughts and in and, and, and Romans chapter nine, verse verse one. <clears throat> this is what he says. He says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Now, now how many of y'all <laughs> You know them people that right before they tell you something, the first thing they say, now I'm not lying. Y'all with me? Does that mean you normally lie? Is that what that means? No, that's not what that means. That means what I'm fixing to tell you is going to sound like a lie. What I'm fixing to tell you is going to sound extreme. Or, or what I'm fixing to tell you is going to be hard to believe. It's going to be hard to believe. And so this is how Paul is starting this, this chapter out. He's starting this statement out. He says, what I'm fixing to tell you, it's going to be hard to believe, but I'm telling you the God's truth. This is what he says. All right? Look in verse, nine, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and a continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Romans 10.1 says this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Do you know what, he, you know what he's saying in, in John chapter number, or excuse me, Romans chapter number 9? He is saying that every day that I wake up, I have a, a, a hurt on the inside. I have a heaviness, I carry a burden, I have a sorrow for my countrymen, I have a sorrow for my people, I, 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 I hurt, 
I have a burden. I'm praying. I, I want them to be saved. I don't want them to go to hell. I have a burden for their souls. I have a burden for their life. He said, I have such a burden for them that I would allow myself to be cursed and damned for eternity if they could be saved. Wow. I mean, he cared so much. He said he would be willing to die and go to hell if they could all be saved. He'd be willing to spend eternity without God in hell so that they could be saved. That is a burden. He cared so much. He loved so much. He wanted for them so much. He says, every day that I wake up, I have a burden in my soul, a burden in my heart for those who don't know Jesus. John Knox said this. He said, give me Scotland or else I die. He had such a burden to see Scotland saved and brought to Christ. He said, I don't even want to live if I can't see him saved. God saved Scotland. Let me tell you what we're missing in the church today. In most Christians today, a real burden for the lost. Yeah, we have burdens, but not for the right things. We have burdens for hobbies, and we have burdens for issues, and we have burdens for our own life. We're so self-centered in so many ways that the world revolves around us, and we forget that we are only here for a short time, that our time on earth is temporary, that eternity is coming. And we need a burden. We need a burden. You know why we don't witness? We don't have a burden. It takes a burden. I, I, I'll be honest with you. We, we've got over 2,000 people to come to church here. Probably 300 uh, on average, between three and 400 that goes to uh, Fairview out there. And there has been many Sundays this year, many Sundays this year, that they had more first-time attenders than we did. There's been Sundays that here at Temple, with 2,000 people here, we didn't have any first-time attenders. What does that mean? We are not inviting. We're not. The secret of church growth is invite. The secret of invite is excite. We're not excited about it. We don't have a burden. And, and I'll say this, maybe a little bit, but not where it needs to be. Paul said, why, why did Paul go from city to city? Why was he willing to be beaten with rods? Why was he willing to be stoned? Why was he willing to go through the shipwreck? Why was he willing to do all that he did and still kept preaching the gospel? He had a burden. He said, I hurt. I want it so bad, I hurt. I want him to be saved so bad, I have a burden. And I, how do we get a burden? I don't, think, I don't think this can be manufactured. I don't think you can make this up. I don't, think, I don't think me preaching this sermon all of a sudden, okay, we got it now, let's go. I don't think that's going to happen. That is just, I preached all kinds of sermons and, and we, we, all right, amen, and gone out and didn't do it. So I know this is not the, the, the end all of everything. So how do we get a burden? Where does a burden come from? There's, there's two things I saw through the scriptures, through the New Testament, even in my own life. And, and, and two things. How do you get a burden? You get a burden from what you know. You get a burden from what you know. What did he know? What did Paul know about the people? What did Paul know about the Jewish people? He knew their condition. 
What did he say in, what did he say in Romans chapter number 10? He said, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They're going about trying to establish their own righteousness. You know what he's saying? They're lost. They're religious, but they're lost. They go to, they go to the temple, but they're lost. They follow the rules, but they're lost. They don't know Christ. They are ignorant of God's righteousness. And if they're ignorant of God's righteousness, he not only knew their condition, but he knew their destination. He knew if you die in your sins without God, hell is your home. Listen, it's what you know. Preacher, what do we need to know? Well, I think we need to know about hell. Hell is real. Jesus spoke more about hell than he ever did about heaven. Hell is real. We need to be afraid of hell. We need to be aware of hell. We need to understand that hell is a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. I know in the world we live in and the day we live in, it's not popular to preach on hell. We don't want to scare nobody. We don't want to offend nobody. But Jesus said this, it would be better that you take out one of your eyes and make it to heaven than go into hell with both of your eyes. It would be better to cut off your hand and make it to heaven than go into hell with both of them. He said it is a place where the fire is not quenched, where the worm dieth not. It's a place where the rich man looked over and said, please tell Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Listen, people say in hell is the grave. That's not true. That's not true, not according to Jesus. And let me tell you the worst part about that deal. Let me tell you the worst part about that deal. Hell is not the worst part. What could be worse than hell? One word. Eternity. Here on, here on earth. <clears throat> I went to a funeral yesterday. Tough one. None of them are easy, but some are extra tough. Well, I tell you, from the last few years, Brother Sam's had some hard ones. And man, I've seen tears. Had some of my own. And there's been times that, that, that I've gone to, to funerals and, and to memorials, and, and, and even though I had tears in my eyes, I had hope. And I, I will say this, I, I, I'm not here to say goodbye. I'm here to say I'll see you in a little while. Because there's always another chance. There's always another opportunity. If you're saved, you know Christ. And, and, and in this life, we have second chances and third chances and fourth. But how many of y'all know the moment that your eyes close on this side of eternity, that's it. I, I saw a sign. It's not that, you're, that life is short. It's you're dead so long. And that, there's, a, there's a real truth to that. Eternity's forever. The worst part about landing in hell and opening your eyes in hell is not the fact that you are in torment. That's terrible. It's the fact that you know you'll never escape. Do, do we know that? Do we understand that? Do we understand that hell is real and we can justify and we can explain it away and we can say, well, he was good, he's going to be in heaven. Hell is real. And sinners do go there. Are we burdened? 
Are we burdened enough to cry? Are we burdened enough to be broken? Are we burdened because of what we know? Listen, what we know will help us develop a burden, but not just that. Not just that. Here's an important one. Here's an important one. I think this is one we miss out on. Not only do we know about their destination, we know about their condition, we know about what happens, but it's what you see that creates a burden. Mine eye affecteth my heart. Say that with me. Mine eye affecteth my heart. Why why does it say, the Bible says, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved. He was moved with compassion on them. For he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. He didn't see them, he didn't see them as aggravating people who just wanted something. He didn't see them like we sometimes we see people. But you know why we don't see it? It's because we isolate ourselves from the people who need us the most. And I'm afraid, I'm afraid, put your seatbelt on. You, you really save folks who've been saved a long time, you're gonna get upset about this. But the longer we're saved, the worse it gets. Because the longer we're saved, it it, it seems like that we spend so much time in church and we spend so much time in our small groups and we spend so much time around other saved people that we end up the only people we do know as saved people. Now, when you're you're a baby Christian, when you're a baby Christian, usually all of your friends, all of your acquaintances are lost. And so here we go. But the longer you get saved, and I'm preaching to seasoned Christians right now. I'm preaching to people that's been saved for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. That's who I'm talking to right now. We are in danger of isolating ourselves from the people who need us the most. You say, well, who, am I, who, do, who, who, who do I have a burden for? That's the problem. Because all of our friends are saved. All of our associates are born again. What do you got to do? You got to go in amongst them. Amen, Rev. That's some good preaching right there. Amen. There we go. I've heard preachers preach against this. That's ridiculous. I'll tell you what, come out from among them and be ye separate. I believe in that. I believe in being separate. I believe in being, being sanctified and I believe in being holy and righteous, but I don't believe in being an isolationist. Jesus didn't pray when he went back to the Father. He said, he said Lord, don't take him out of the world. This is what Jesus said to his Father. Don't take him out of the world. Just keep the world out of them. He said, if I take him out of the world, how are they going to be salt and light to the world? I... <laughs> I, I, y'all know, y'all know, I like coon hunting. <clears throat> and, 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 and coon hunting is a rough crowd. They are, they're a little edgy, amen? They're they just, just rough around the edges. Good people, good old boys, but most of them, not, not, not all of them, but most of them are lost. And, and, and I, I, I came, when I first came to Temple, y'all, y'all have heard me tell this story, but I, I'm telling you, this is the deal. I, I, I went to uh, the Bethel Coon Club because I didn't have a dog. I didn't have nowhere to hunt, and I knew they did. And I was hoping one of them feel sorry for me and take me. <clears throat> and I just started showing up. They didn't, they didn't really know me at first. I'd just come in and get a, and get a coon dog magazine and sit on the couch and, and read it, hoping somebody. And, and y'all know I'm shy, too. And I could hear him whispering. 
And then someone told on me. They said, that's a preacher over there at Temple. That's a preacher. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, that, it was a rough crowd. I mean, they had words that I hadn't heard before. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd be sitting there reading my magazine, and boy, one of them would cut off with some sentences, and I'd just, <laughs> I'd take two and a half showers every time when I come home. And then one of them, Ricky Harris, fat rat, mule, some of y'all don't know him. He said, hey, you want to go coming? Yeah. And here we go. Start going all the time. And man, they, they, they test me all the time. They're just waiting for me to drop the hammer on and preach it. I never said a word. I never told them, watch your mouth. I did tell one of them he needed a dictionary and find a few different words to use, amen. That, that was just in gist. And we was, in, we was in a store right there at Bethel. It, they've got little booths sitting right there. We was in there eating a hot dog before we was going, going to go coon hunting. And, 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 and a lady that worked in there came by and said something a little salty. And, 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 and one of them said, hey, that's the preacher sitting right there. Be careful what you say. And she's a little smart, Elliot. She turned around and said, well, what's he doing sitting with y'all then? <laughs> well, that didn't sit too well with me. I turned around and said, ma'am, who do you think needs me the most? And she went, well. <laughs> but you know, through all that, I've seen a bunch of them say, and their kids say, I'm talking about one, we're in the middle of the woods. We're in the middle of the woods, coon hunting. And this was right before an election. Somebody told them that one getting elected was the Antichrist. And he said, preacher, is that the Antichrist? And no, let me tell you about the Antichrist. And I started from Revelation chapter 1, went slammed to the great white throne judgment at the end. And man, them dogs out there treating every breath. And I had five coon hunters just looking at me like this. And one of them said, you have to be in church to save somebody? I said, no. He said, save me now. And we got down, it was, it was right by Mr. Pinehart's cabin, right in front of the cabin. And we got down on our knees right there, and he prayed and asked God to save him, change his life. Now, what would have happened if I never went and hung out with them guys? We cannot isolate ourselves. We got to be amongst them. Proximity, proximity, proximity. Say it with me. You can't see if you're not there. Isn't this true? Isn't this true? Out of sight. But I tell you what, if you hang out with them, you see them. And you know what you, else you see? You see their condition. And I'm telling you, it will change how you feel. It will change how you feel. If you see somebody, here, here's, let me, let me, we're having so much fun, let's just get it all out today, okay? Let's just get, since it's New Year, let's just get, throw it all up, let's get it. How many of us, come on, let's be real. Don't be y'all putting your sanctified halos on your head. Let's just be real this morning. How many of you, when you're out in public and you see something like that, you see somebody cussing and raising, you all of a sudden get that. They want to watch their mouths. I, I do. I, I'm telling you, I'm admitting this. I'm just, I tell you what, they ain't got no raisin. 
But then when you develop a relationship with somebody, it changes everything. You know it's easier? Listen, I'm going to just stop right there because some of y'all are just enjoying this way too much. <laughs> How many of y'all would agree with me? I, I, I'm telling you, this was the first thing on my list. God, I want to have a greater burden. Would y'all say amen right there? What will cause us to witness a burden? What will cause us to pray a burden? What, what do we do? What do we do? How hard do we pray when one of our children are sick? Miss Jen, how, how hard do you pray when you got word that uh, Julio about cut his arm off? With a chainsaw. <laughs> Had to go to the hospital. Man, that'll make you pray. I was, I was in the chiropractor's office dying. I thought, I said, if somebody just cut my head off right here, I'd feel so much better. I mean, I was just dying, and I seen that, and I thought, oh. First thing you do, you start praying. That's the kind of burden we need to have for lost people. And if we see it, if we see their condition, if we know their destination, that should give us a burden. And the second thing I put on my list, <clears throat> I want to have a greater burden. I do. I want to, man, I want, I want to have a burden for the souls of men. But then the second thing, I want to have a greater boldness. I want to have a greater, now some of y'all don't have this problem. You talk to anybody. You don't meet no stranger. I mean, it, it uh, uh. Griggs, he's, he, he's one, he'll talk to anybody. It don't matter where it's at, it, 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 he, he just got it. I, don't, I wish I had it. I've got Mackenzie, my daughter Mackenzie, she's kind of that way. She, she don't meet a stranger. My other daughters, they're kind of shy like me, and they just, y'all think they're snobby, but they're not. They're just shy. But I, that, I, I, I want that. I want, man, I want boldness. I, I was reading in the book of Acts, I was reading in the book of Acts, and and, 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 and the Bible says that they came and arrested, they came and arrested Peter and them and, and, and told them, don't be, don't be preaching like this anymore. Don't be speaking this name anymore. And, and, and then, then it says this. It says this. In Acts chapter number 4, I've got to save some time, so let me just read it and you can look it up later. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. This is when they came back to the church after they were told, don't preach no more. They were threatened and, and, and all of that. And it says, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that we may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now when they saw, verse, Acts 4, 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Boldness. They didn't pray, God, get them off our back. Tell them to leave us alone. Oh, tell them to quit bothering. No, 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 no. They didn't pray for the trial to end. They didn't pray for the suffering to be over. They said, Lord, help us to be bold anyway. Hell or high water, help us to be bold. Help us to preach anyway. Help us to preach anyway. If they come against us, help us to preach anyway. If they vote against us, help us to preach anyway. If they threaten us, help us to preach anyway. Oh, give us boldness. Man, that's what I want. I want to be bold. 
I want to stand out, not be arrogant, not be cocky, but be bold. Be willing to tell anybody, anytime, anywhere, stand up and be bold for the kingdom of God. Are y'all with me? Austin's grandfather, he's this way. My, my, my son-in-law's grandfather, he's like the coolest guy, coolest preacher. I, I want to try to get him out to preach for y'all one time. He is so cool. He is this way. I mean, he, it doesn't matter. They, had, they, they were at, at, at all the holidays. Everybody was there in, in Morganton, and, 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 and they were talking. Well, his phone rings. His phone rings. He's from South Carolina. Uh, 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 let's see, where's that? Anyway, he's from South Carolina. That's all you need to know. He's from South Carolina. They're in North Carolina, and he's sitting there in, uh, in uh, Rock Hill, Rock Hill, Rock Hill. And, uh, and, and, and he answers the phone, hello? And, and he, I, you hear the conversation, and that said, no, sir, this is not. I think you may have the wrong number. I think you may have the wrong number. Now, what is everybody's normal response right there? Okay. Goodbye. Right? Not him. He said, sir, I think you have the wrong number. And you can hear that. He's okay. He said, but let's not waste this phone call. He said, you get to go to church anywhere. He said, where do you go? Do you go to church? He said, more importantly, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Now, how many of y'all would like that kind of boldness? Man, that's what I want. Don't waste this phone call. Who comes up with that? Amen. <laughs> I tell you who. Someone with a burden for lost people. Boldness. I mean boldness. To witness, to share, to speak, to preach. God wants us to be bold. Too many Christians are cowards. We're, 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 we're scared, we're fearful. And I say, we, I'm putting myself there. I get nervous. I, 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 was, in, I was preaching at, uh, 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 up there in, in Columbus, Ohio, and, and there's one evangelist that comes through, and he's kind of like that. He's kinda, he just, just doesn't matter. He'll go sit somewhere to hope somebody sits with them, and I'm sitting somewhere hoping they don't sit with me. <laughs> and, man, he just, and I said, man, I wish I was more like that. I want to be like that. I know it don't seem like that, and some of y'all don't believe me. I promise, I promise the heavens, I promise, I am shy, shy. Getting out of my, out of my place is up here, I'm walking around the anointing. You can't see it, but it's like a fog up here. It's, it's all good. I'm like protected from y'all. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I'm just telling you. And then I get out in public, and I'm like, I just, I, I said, man, I, 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 want, I don't have that boldness. So, so how, do we, how do we get that? Write these three things down. I got to hurry because I'm running out of time. I got another one to go. Three things. First is pray. Pray. What did they do? They prayed. They said, God, give us boldness. What a novel idea. Just ask God for it. Now, I'm not one of those that believe that you name it and claim it. I, I don't believe that. I, I, I do not believe that. If I believed that, I'd, I'd have the best coon dog in the world. I'd live in the biggest house in the world. I'd, are y'all with me? That stuff don't. That's not, that's not biblical. But I do believe the Bible says this. If you ask according to his will. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all believe it's God's will for people to get saved? 
How many of y'all believe it's God's will for us to tell them how? How many of y'all believe it's God's will for us to be bold while we do it? Then why in the world would God not give us boldness if we ask him? It's amazing. We pray for a lot of stuff. But when's the last time we said, God, give us just unbelievable boldness to stand and tell somebody about Jesus? I know what it's like to be nervous. I know what it's like to be embarrassed. I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to think, oh, goodness, you know, we have, I understand all that. I have all of that. I feel all that. I go through all of that. But when's the last time we just asked God, God, give us boldness to just say it anyway? God will answer our prayer. Look what he did. Look what he did. You don't believe me? Look what it says. The Bible says in Acts 4.29, Lord, behold their threatenings. Grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Look what it says in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with What did God do? He answered their prayer. Right? Does the Bible say God is the same? Come on, everybody. He's the same. So the same God who heard their prayer got all excited about it shook the place and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And then they went out and spake the word of God with. That's the same one that we're praying to. So you know what that tells me? Those of us, and I'm putting my, this is my, my, my request this year. So I'm putting myself, I'm the first one in the line. First one in the line. If I don't have that boldness, I haven't been asking for it. Amen? I know this is a convicting one, but it's, the year's almost over. Amen? I'm not even going to ask you to come back anymore this year, okay? <laughs> now watch. H- how do we get this boldness? What did I say? Pray. Say it again. Pray. Say it again. Pray. The second thing, prepare. You know, you know why some of us are scared? We're afraid we're not going to say the right thing. Or we're afraid we're not going to know what to say. My daughters asked me the other day, I had to go deal with a really, really difficult thing. One of those things that, you, what, what are you going to say? I mean, what, what are you going to say? And that's what they kept asking me. Daddy, what, what are you going to say? And you know what I told them? I don't know. I said, I've got to trust God that he's going to tell me what to say when the time comes. There's been times, uh, Brother Dwan, how many times during the ministry that you had, you've had situations you didn't know what in the world you, until you had to. You just got to trust God. But not only that, not only that, the Bible says be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason. Amen? Of the hope that is in you. And the key word is be ready. Say it with me. Be ready. Say it again. Be ready. 
Well, preacher, I, I don't want to witness because I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what Bible verses to go to. Okay, learn it. It's not complicated. Matter of fact, you can get a cheat sheet. They make them. We make them. We'll give them to you. If you, if you run into somebody and you don't know what to say, flip that card out and said Romans 3.23. Y'all with me? Let's prepare. Let's be ready. Let me tell you what gives me confidence when I know what I'm talking about. Let's use the word boldness, which is what we're talking about. I'm not real bold talking about a lot of stuff. Because there's some stuff I don't, I don't have a clue what I'm talking about. Y'all with me? You know, I can, I can, go, to, I can go to Dorgan, and he can be telling tell me stuff about a 350 small block. And I mean, he's just going on and on and on. And about three words in, he's speaking Greek to me. And I don't have a whole lot of boldness, and I don't have a whole lot of confidence to, to talk about that stuff. And he's just going on and on and on about it. But I, I, I tell you what, we can go into a little different subject. And I'll be glad to stand toe-to-toe with any of them. You know why? Because I know a little bit of something. And, and listen, we can't sit around and complain because we don't know a little something. I just don't know what to say. Well, learn it. It's not that difficult. It's a command from God. Be ready always. Say it with me. Be ready always. If somebody comes to you and wants to know how to get to heaven, listen, the last... No, let me change that. You shouldn't just have to call the preacher. Now, if that happens, call me by all means. But you shouldn't have to. You should be, let me tell you how to get to heaven. Right here, the Bible says. If you know a little something, you're going to be bold. You're going to have more confidence. You're going to have more courage. So it's not just prayer. You got to do your part too. Y'all with me? So prepare. It's not hard. I'm telling you, it's not hard. Listen, grade school children can learn how to do this. Let me tell you why we won't take the time to do it. We don't have a burden. Let me put it this way, and I'm like way over time, but I'm going to say this. You know what will happen if your child gets diagnosed with diabetes? Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to become an expert in diabetes. You're going to learn what it is. You're going to learn how to combat it. You're going to learn what to eat, what not to eat, what to do, what not to do. You're going to do everything. Why? That's your kid. You got a burden. And because you have a burden, you will prepare. You see why it always keeps coming back to that word? Pray. Prepare. Then write this word down. Pursue. Pursue. Just go do it. Try it. It's going to be, the first few times it'll be tough. But the more you do it, the easier it'll get. Start with this. Hey. Thank you, Brother John. Start with this. Do you get to go to church anywhere? I've got such a burden. 
All right, let's try this again. Come on, guys. Come on, run out of time. Here we go. Hey, you get to go to church anywhere? Boy, I'd love for you to go to mine. That's not hard, is it? Hey, you get to go to church anywhere? Now, remember to put get to go. Say it with me. Don't say it. You go to church. That's like saying, how's your appendix? You know, that's like, don't, don't do that. Do you get to go to church anywhere? And that may start a conversation. Well, what if they shut me off? So? But what if they don't? What if they're a single mother whose life's crashed all around them and their kids are sick and they don't have no money and they don't know what they're going to do and they come and wait on your table and they've been looking for hope? And you got just what they need. Church, say amen. amen. All right. Uh, uh, man, I, I need some more time. <clears throat> Let me give you number three. Let me give you number three. I'm out of time, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. All right? What was number one? What was number one? This year, I want to have a greater burden. burden. Number two, I want to have a greater boldness. boldness. And, and number three, I want to be a greater blessing. I want to be a greater blessing. I want to be a greater blessing. I want to be a blessing to people. I want my life to be a blessing. I want my presence to be a blessing. How many of y'all know them people, you're walking down the aisle in Walmart and you see them coming and you... I want to, I want to be the type of person when they see me coming, this is what you get. Are y'all with me? I want to be a blessing. So how do we do that? Write these three things down. Quick, quick, quick. I really want to preach on them. I may do it anyway next week, but how do, how do we be a blessing? Well, the first thing you've got to be is humble. It starts with humility. I found this out. I've never seen an arrogant person be a blessing to me. Never. Not one single time. Just the air about them bothers me. I've never seen one arrogant person be a blessing to anybody. It starts with humility. You know what humble people, you know what they emanate? They emanate this. They care about other people. Humble people put out the vibe that they feel like you're important. Arrogant people don't. So it starts with humility. Then, then secondly... Write this down. Helpfulness. <clears throat> helpfulness. What do you mean? Just be helpful. Just be helpful. It, it could be something as simple as just holding a door open. Right? And, and by the way, ladies or men or whoever, I hold the door for everybody. If somebody's coming, I hold the door for them. Man, woman, old, young, doesn't matter to me. I just, I just hold the door open. But, but listen, if somebody holds the door open for you, recognize it. Don't just walk through. Say thank you. See, you can be helpful by recognizing their helpfulness. And I'm, I'm telling y'all, don't do it to get that. But if you get it, at least appreciate it. Y'all, anyway, I'm just venting a little bit on that right there. Just, just, just be helpful. Just help somebody. There's nothing that is a greater blessing than when someone stops just to help. Amen? Amen. Lastly, 
happiness. I know what you're thinking. What? I love being around people that smile. Right? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Let's just encourage you. Sometimes just our attitude, just, just our, 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 our face. Preacher, I am happy. Tell your face. <laughs> it did not get the memo this morning, all right? I told like three funny jokes to start this thing off when some people... I've heard people say that. That's just my face. Then practice in the mirror. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is not complicated. Some of the people supposed to be the holiest people I know look the most miserable. No wonder people don't want what we have. It looks contagious. Amen. <laughs> Let's be a blessing. Let's be a blessing. Let's don't be the typical, everybody thinks, lost people think that all of church people are hypocrites, and there's a reason they think that, and they got a right to think that. Let's break that mold this year. This year, let's have a greater burden. Let's have a greater boldness. Let's ask for it. Say, God, make us bold, and let's be a greater blessing. You know what I found out? If we try to be a greater blessing, that may give us more opportunities to be bold. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for the goodness of your word. <clears throat> Help us to practice the, these fruit-bearing things in our life. I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, I pray.